Warning, the following show contains explicit language. Certain people should not listen to this show, such as children and panty-waist adults who cry like 12-year-old little girls when they hear profanity. Welcome, my friend, to the Dr. Reality Podcast. I'm Dave Champion. Law enforcement retirements are up 45% from the previous year, and resignations are up 18%. Should we be seeing this as a positive or a negative? In order to answer whether it's a positive or a negative, we have to ask the question, why are retirements up 45% and resignations 18%? The primary reason appears to be when you read police publications, things like Police Magazine, Police One, and so forth, there's, there's a gajillion of them. When you read what's being said there, the number one reason, if I can sort of distill it down to this, is they're not liking being viewed by the public as bad guys. And that totally makes sense because the entire law enforcement mental construct is we're the good guys and we do things to bad guys. The idea that the public sees them as bad guys we can all understand why they don't cotton to that. I think it's convenient. It's easy to blame all this on the George Floyd protests. But in my opinion, that's just the cherry on top of the rest of the reasons. And probably the number one reason that cops today feel that the public views them as the bad guys is the prevalence of video, whether it's their own body cams or whether it's bystanders filming what they're doing. The advent of video being shot everywhere all the time when any incident, no matter how trivial, takes place, that construct has altered the public perception of law enforcement dramatically. If we go back pre-video, a cop could do essentially anything he wanted. And it didn't matter what the people he did it to said. It didn't matter what the bystanders said. If the cop and his partner and maybe a couple of backup officers said, no, 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 this is what happened. That was the end of the discussion. Well, with the emergence of video, what's happened is the cop and his partner and some of his backup are saying, no, 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 it's not what they said. It's what we say. And we say this is what happened. And then three, four, seven, ten days later, video hits YouTube. And all of a sudden we found out over the last, especially the last decade, when video has become ubiquitous, we have found out time and time and time and time and time and time again. I mean, we're literally probably talking about, if not millions, certainly hundreds of thousands of video documented occasions where we can look and say, the cops right there. They just lied, and they may have committed needless illegal violence against an innocent citizen and then lied about that. It's not hard to understand why when the public sees the lying time and time and time again with their own two eyes, yeah, it's easy for the public to begin to see the cops as the bad guys. And as we mentioned earlier, the cops don't like that. Before I share with you a couple of prime examples that stand out in my mind over the years, if you're watching this on video, yes, these images are me in uniform, badge and gun, on the street, 
a long time ago, but I wanted to share that with you so if you're new to the Dr. Reality Podcast, you understand that I have a frame of reference to speak about these issues. I'm not just some never-done-the-job type of civilian who wants to knock cops. That's not at all what this is about. All right, let's get into a couple of examples. Even before video was a thing, I'll never forget an audio recording that I heard. Ironically, the audio was actually captured by one of the detectives involved in this. Uh, To the best of my recollection, because this goes back about 15 years ago, a number of uniforms and detectives had gone into this person's home. They did not have a warrant. They then forced open his safe. They then seized a bunch of his firearms. And so the two detectives are talking and saying, you know, we don't have probable cause to do what we've done here today. So we need to concoct some probable cause to support our actions. <laughs> they are literally talking to one another, acknowledging that they didn't have the legal authority to do what they did, and saying, now we need to lie. Now we need to contrive stuff that never really happened. We need to, we need to claim facts exist that do not exist in order to cover our asses for our illegal conduct, for us violating the rights of this American citizen. Is there anybody, anyone, Bueller, Bueller, who wouldn't say these guys are bad guys? They're violating the rights of American citizens. Yeah, they're bad guys. Here where I live in Nye County, a Nye County Sheriff's deputy shot and killed a friendly family dog. Now, we don't have to take the owner's word for the fact that the dog was friendly. There was a long history of deputies showing up at that property. I think if, if memory serves me, they'd been there about 12 or 13 other occasions, and nobody ever had a problem with the dog. None of the deputies ever had a problem with the dog until this one deputy, this one day, and he was wearing a body cam. What he writes in his report was completely different from what his body cam showed. Now, of course, because here in Nye County, we have what is arguably one of the most corrupt sheriffs in the country, uh, and certainly the most corrupt sheriff of Nye County in many, many, many decades. Yeah, she found a way to justify the fact that what was on the video was completely different than what he wrote in his report. And to this day, he is still a deputy sucking up tax dollars. Just about a year ago, a couple of cops pulled over a Florida state's attorney without any reasonable suspicion for the stop. Now, the media played it as, you know, the the first black state's attorney, but the windows were highly tinted. So when the cops made this stop, it wasn't because she was black. It was because they just wanted to. They had no reasonable suspicion whatsoever. She asks them about it, and they come up with this nonsensical BS. And I think from the tone of the officer's voice who's interacting with her at the driver's window, from the tone of his voice, I think he really thought his nonsense was going to get by her. And she's like, "Uh, can I have your business card, please? (laughs) Because she was going to file a formal complaint with their department because they had no reasonable suspicion. Without reasonable suspicion, you cannot pull a motorist over. So yeah, they're bad guys. They're violating constitutional rights. They're bad guys. Then there was the case of the officer who took a 12-year-old girl who was handcuffed. She talked back to him. He punched her, grabbed her, and slammed her head into a concrete wall. An 11-year-old handcuffed girl, right? Yeah, 
he is a bad guy. One of the most egregious things I think I've seen on video was a couple of officers stopped to talk to three or four guys who were sitting in a car. And they demanded that they get out of the car, and then they demanded identification. Right? Now, that requires, again, reasonable suspicion that a crime has been committed. Reasonable suspicion, by the way, is a step down from probable cause, but you must have reasonable suspicion. Now, that is a constitutional principle that protects our constitutional rights. And this cop was blowing through it. So one of the, they get out of the car, and when he asks for identification, one of them says, why? What have we done? They didn't use, he didn't use the word reasonable suspicion. Most citizens don't know that. But he said, what have we done? What do you think we've done? What are you suspicious of that you would want our identification? And of course, he doesn't have anything, so he starts making some nonsense up. And the, the, the citizen was logical. So he's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, the officer, out of the blue, takes a step forward, smack, cracks this guy across the face open-handed, and then says, I bet that really pisses you off. I bet you want to hit me now. <laughs> he's, he is attacking, committing a violent act outside the law against this citizen to get the citizen so angry the citizen will attack him. And then, of course, he wouldn't, he wouldn't give that version in his report. He would lie. Unfortunately for him, he did not know one of the three or four guys, the occupants of the car, these guys were probably all about their late 20s. One of them was holding a cell phone that was recording. Now, he wasn't holding it up in a visible manner to record what was going on. He was holding the phone at his side, being pretty savvy, so the lens was pointing towards the action, but the screen was pointing away. The, the officer did not know he was being filmed. So yeah, this officer is a thug. He's a piece of crap. He is absolutely a bad guy. The incident I just described to you with the officer open-handed smacking an innocent citizen in the face to precipitate a violent conflict, I looked for that video online. So I go into YouTube, where I had initially seen it just a couple of years back, and I enter, officer slaps innocent man. I never did find the video I was looking for. Do you know why? <laughs> because it was pages and pages and pages and pages and pages of cops slapping innocent citizens <laughs> on video. That's how bad the problem is. Now, if you're somebody like me who believes in police accountability, I follow groups like Police the Police and Filming Cops. If you follow these sort of accountability groups, and they're not, it's so funny because people refer to them as anti-cop. They're not anti-cop. They're pro-accountability. So, and that's another part of this equation that's really weird to me. It's like, so if you want cops to obey the law, to live by the very laws that they enforce on us, to a certain kind of person, you're anti-cop. That just makes no rational sense with a decade of videos showing the cops have been needlessly violent. They've been violent in an illegal manner. They have lied about it. Departments have lied about their, the actions of their officers. It's been going on at least with the ubiquitousness of videos for a decade. And then, of course, we had the George Floyd incident and the protests, which were the cherry on top. So what we find now is a setting where the public... 
That's the important part. The public, and if you're like a cop worshiper, yeah, this doesn't include you, and you're probably mad about this, but the public on the whole wants greater accountability, as I mentioned a moment ago. The public now wants the cops held to the exact same standards, if not higher standards, than the citizenry. And cops don't like that at all. I think it's fair to say a whole lot of cops became cops because they knew they could pretty much do whatever they wanted and never or rarely be held accountable. So now that that dynamic is changing, now that we're starting to see that the scale is sliding from almost never held accountable to, yeah, the public absolutely wants more accountability and the elected officials and the elected sheriffs and the appointed police chiefs and the council members and so forth, they're all starting to see the public wants this. So they're saying, oh, we have to have greater accountability. And that is actually really taking shape. Now, it's not where I'd like it to see, but it is moving in the right direction. More cops each day are held are being held accountable now than ever before in the history of the United States. So that's a positive, but not for the cops that are being held accountable. It's a positive for society, not for them. Another way to characterize this might be that for the first time in the history of the United States, those who are calling for proper accountability. I I hate to say more accountability because that implies there's been some, and historically there really hasn't been any. The segment of America that is now calling for proper accountability, it is now the public generally. It used to just be activists, people who'd been the victims of illegal or needless police violence, people who've had cops lie about them. If, If you follow the Innocence Project and you read or watch these these case files about how these innocent people got sent to jail for 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years. You read the things that the police officers did, the way they completely corrupted the evidence. It's mind-boggling. That created activism. But now, calls for proper accountability have left the exclusive domain of activists, and it is now a good portion of the population. And I think that's a great thing. Who is going to take the place of those that are retiring and those that are resigning? We don't have the answer to that yet because we're we're just coming into this novel situation that has not existed in the past. I would speculate, though, since this is all over the media, that anybody who applies to be a law enforcement officer at this point in history, unless they're just really, really dumb, they've got to know that they're entering law enforcement in an age moving towards proper accountability. In other words, the mindset that existed 50 years ago, 30 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, that said, you know what, you know, maybe a cop would be a cool job. I can do whatever I want and never get held accountable. That is out the window, and it's moving in the right direction. So my speculation is the vast majority of people who are going to step up and say, yes, I would be, like to be a police officer, are those who understand that they will be held properly accountable. Isn't that the kind of people you want as cops? I've always believed that proper accountability in government is absolutely essential to a free people. Uh, without accountability, then you, 
slide downhill into something that looks like a dictatorship or eventually becomes a dictatorship. There has got The public servants have got to be accountable to you and I. They've got to be accountable to the people. So I want to suggest a couple of ways that you can hold them accountable or at least walk away from their unaccountable conduct. One of them is to purchase and read Income Tax Shattering the Myths. I know it strikes people as perhaps a little odd when I tell them the laws that Congress passed concerning the income tax don't apply to the vast majority of Americans. It's sort of an establishment and now accepted societal narrative that it applies to everybody, but that's not at all what the law says. And I've been holding them accountable, if we can use that phraseology, since 1993. That was the last year I filed an income tax return or paid any income tax. Uh, And here we are as I'm filming this in 2021. And I can't even imagine how many hundreds of thousands of people have taken the information and income tax shadowing them, and they've done the exact same thing. They've said, oh, (laughs) now that I understand the law, what it really says, not what I've been told when I was in school, not what my parents told me, not what some accountant told me, but I've actually really seen it with my own two eyes broken down in a way that every single American can understand. Now that I've seen it, yeah, why would I keep doing this? That is a form of holding them accountable. Also, body science. Now, you're not holding the government accountable, but you are walking away from a lack of accountability in the establishment overall, which is big government, big med, big food, big farm, and so forth. So you can read what they have done which is the sort of the nutritional equivalent of law enforcement officers wrongfully beating an innocent man. It is the nutritional equivalent of that. So you can see what they've done. You can see what the truth is. And then you go, okay, all right, I'm out. <laughs> I'm not playing that game anymore. So I encourage you to go to drreality.news, pick yourself up a copy of one of those two. I promise you, you have my word that each of those in their own genre will be the most fascinating books you have ever read. Thanks for being here.